Oh, buddy, I don't think I've ever seen ye crying. Not very, uh, well, not very orkly of ye, is it? What be the matter, bud? Not orkly. You know, toxic masculinity is a serious problem in your community. Whoa, 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 pal. I didn't mean no offense there. You just worried me. You haven't been the same since the, uh, you know, operation. Tell me, what be troubling you? Well, the cleric who did the operation never gave me a choice. He just took them from me. He saved your life, buddy. If you hadn't taken them, you'd never known about the cancer. But now I'll never have children. What? Hold on. What? Children, Captain. Without tonsils, I can't have children. Bog. Bog. Hold on. Hold on. That's not how that works. What do you mean? The tonsils are in your throat. You don't make wee ones with the throat. Or the tonsils. That's where the tonsils are. No wonder my throat hurts. I... Well, thanks for letting me know, Pessies, buddy. Now my wife will be happy. We can go back to baby-making. You're welcome? Oh, yeah. And since you're so smart, maybe you can answer this. Why does my wife's butt hurt so much after we've tried to make a baby? Oh, dear... Lord Bold. With a little spice of class, a dash of homebrew, add a touch of the rules, and you have Chef Bogues and the Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything. Arr, that be it. We are back. I mean, all of us. It's it's good to be back. We've been lost for decades, it seems. Or just a couple of months. Yar, this is Recipes for Everything. I am the Pirate Captain, along with me best buddy, Bogue. Say hi, Bogue. Hi, Bogue. Arr, we've been out for a little bit, so welcome, adventurers, to the Recipes for Everything. We appreciate everybody who's been listening in to the absence. I know it's been a while, and we'll get to that here in a bit. But I do want to introduce somebody that we've heavily alluded to since the start of this podcast. Uh, he is the bane to my boon, the foil to my handiwork. It is Nigglewort. Hi, Nigglewort. Hi there, Captain. Oh, you're going to get me in so much trouble with that name. I see why you picked it now. <laughs> I picked that a long time ago. Well, actually, my parents picked it for me. Oh, yeah? So, as usual, when we have a guest in, we do like to have them explain uh, where their name came from, where their character popped up from, the history behind it. So, we're not going to be a stranger to that custom. Go ahead, Nigglewort. Uh, Nigglewort was one of my first characters way back when. Uh, he was a, a dwarf that uh, was somewhat annoying. And uh, just one time the party got too, uh, too tired of him and they told him to wait right there in the middle of a forest. And so he just kind of wandered around in a circle and kept wandering in a circle until he had pretty much built a moat. And when he thought he, uh, he had a moat, he thought, well, this needs a keep to go with it. So then he started building a keep. They all assumed he died in the forest. But, you know, I got better. Well, I mean, I just wanted to go on record, too, that the fact that you have an annoying character, and any time I play a character that has one weird quirk, it's like the end of the world to one, you. One weird quirk? One. <laughs> uh, well, um, I, mean, it's I don't a... remember when you've ever played one of those, Captain. Oh, I think that's uh, fair enough to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we welcome you today, Nigglewort. What'd you got there, old bogey buddy? Um, well, first, explain why my voice sounds like this. Uh, well, the reason we took a hiatus was because they had found something in my throat behind my tonsil. They took the tonsil. Ended up being, um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it's been a few months of, uh, chemotherapy. Thankfully, it's worked. I'm cancer-free, but now I've got a paralyzed uh, vocal cord to deal with, so hence the voice. Yeah, well, I'm gonna, I, I just want you to know, my favorite part of this is the fact that you look like a Batman villain. You look um, like Egghead. And then I sound like Batman. He looks like an AIDS patient. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm telling you, chemo, I think, is the greatest weight loss out there. But, uh, hey, we're, we're glad that you're back. You're safe. Um, I'm glad to have your... We're glad to have Nigel Ward here with us. I'm telling you, man, somebody's going to read this, and I, we're <laughs> never going to hear the end of it. But um, it's good to have you. And so for the show, the, the opening show, 
still going to be the same as it was as we did when we started this. You know, we're going to talk about some upcoming topics. If you guys heard the promo from Tuesday, which I do my best to get them out uh, a week before the show. So always make sure that you're looking for your, you give us a thumb up, a liking, a comment, or wherever you get your podcast from. And that way, whenever the promo hits, you guys will automatically know that, hey, this coming Saturday, there's going to be a new episode with our favorite D&D characters. And that'd be Bolg and PC. Right. Yeah. So, uh, this week's show is exciting. Um, we are going to talk about, have a few topics. We're actually going to try a little bit of audio thing. I've kind of worked out a little bit of a setup. So we're going to actually listen to the D&D Dark Alliance gameplay trailer. Kind of give us... Give you our opinions, what we think about coming up. We're going to talk about the D&D movie. Uh, and Vicious Mockery and the Bards, which uh, before before we started, Nigglewort was showing me a video from a group that I think is... Uh, it, it, they've been making videos for quite a while, and it's done... Uh, they've got, definitely got up in the quality, so we'll probably bring them up too. It's uh, the Deerstalker pictures, and we may play a little bit of that, but... With that being said, let's get into it. So, Vicious Mockery and Bards. So, for those of you who don't know about the spell Vicious Mockery, is you unleash a string of insults laced with subtle enhancements at a creature you can see within range. If the target can hear you, though, need not understand you, it must be succeed on a wisdom saving throw or take 1d4 psychic damage and have disadvantage on the next attack roll it makes before the end of its next turn. So what it's pretty much saying is, is you don't have to be a dummy in my language. You can just be a dummy in anybody's language. So, Yeah. The reason I wanted to bring this up was I actually got into a uh, bit of an argument on the uh, D&D Facebook page. There's, the spell has a verbal component. Our feelings on components notwithstanding, I always thought that the insult itself was the verbal component. Because doesn't it make sense that you're screaming an insult at somebody instead of, you know, leading it with a string of random words? Well, I mean, it it does make sense, but I kind of think of it like the initial part of it is the, hey, you, and then you a big dummy. So the, hey, you kind of being the verbal component, but I, I, I can see what you're saying, actually. I think it makes more sense that the actual verbal component is the spell itself like there's really i don't even know why they put it in as a component to begin with other than the fact that i guess you have to be able to talk to use it yeah i mean it'd be kind of weird to be like boxcar toenail your mother's a whore it doesn't sound right yeah and it definitely like leaves like it feels like that would be more than an action being taken because it is a casting time of one action so i feel like if you're kind of like dual it's almost like a dual cast if you have to say something beforehand and this expanded to the entire bard class or really anything that has verbal components. Take, for instance, um, charm person. Wouldn't it make sense to make that charm person be part of a string of uh, conversation instead of stopping to say some command words then act like you didn't? Well, I mean... Well, the thing about Charm Person, it also requires a somatic part of it, too, so... Yeah, but you could make that as, like, gesticulation, hand gestures, and hide it amongst there. But the command words have to be a specific string, according to rules as written. Well, I mean, I guess I would break it down to your DM as what he requires for a vicious mockery style, uh, I guess... I don't know. That, that, that's a good question. Like, I... I, I I, I personally think that um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's actually a part of it uh, when you, especially as a bard, that your, your whole thing is talking. So it's it's not the there. I don't think there's an actual command or anything like that that would be involved. As you said, it should be it's the the insult itself, and then the the magic goes through the insult. It's not. I mean, it's. It's not a separate thing, like, you know, okay, uh, fireball or he's on the wrong mic, something. Oh, okay, well that makes sense. Is it, well, I was on that oh one yeah, there. no, yeah. I was like, man, why? And I tried messing with it earlier. So, um, well, but the reason I bring it up is because rules as written, yes, if it has a verbal component, it is a separate string of words. 
better command words to get the spell to go off. I think that's just, and that's. I think we're just. I think the verbal component is the insult itself. It's just that's what I said, but I got arguments stating otherwise. See, I've been playing since before there were bard classes. He wrote the rules, all right. (laughs) Well, I did. I did work with the originals, Um, and very shortly after they came out, as a matter of fact, uh, we used to play test a lot of things for uh, TSR, Steve Jackson games, a lot of things like that as well. Uh, one of the guys that uh, was in our group went on to become an editor in the Dragon, which was the TSR magazine. Um, so yeah, s- so we were involved. Let's <laughs> put, put it is, that way. This is my dad, so I had no chance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the um, the idea when the Bards came out, and you had those kind of things. It was the not the 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 semantic part or some. Um, I screw that. The verbal part of that was not, you know, a specific spell. Um, I think that back then we had the the rules were so sparse, right? That we had to do a lot more imagining of what things were. I do feel like the newer generations of things have definitely brought down like the amount of like creativity that goes into classes because you have to kind of you still have to fit within that certain window. And we've talked about this on previous podcasts, how I don't care for the abilities in this one. You know, your uh, Arca- Arcana, you're just good at Arcana. So I I think that, you know, to make it more accessible to people, yeah, we've kind of dumbed it down. But I think that, like you're saying, you know, you used to use all of the all of your imagination to kind of like build. You'd have your own magic words and stuff, and they were unique to you, especially if you were playing like a wizard-type cleric- character. But and I'm going to read the verbal uh, verbal spot real quick. Most spells require the chanting of mystic words. These words themselves aren't the source of the spell's power, rather the particular combination of sounds with a specific pitch and resonance. So here's where I'm going to argue on your on your behalf. There, uh, Bog, is that the words themselves aren't the source of the spell's power, rather the particular combination of sounds with specific pitch and resonance. So how it's it's right there. It says in how you say the word versus you actually saying the word. And who would have the uh, best control of their voice and pitch? Right, the bards. Yep. But even beyond that, clerics and paladins. Well, I mean, anybody well, with a performance skill at this point. Well, I mean, their spells have verbal. It could be a prayer. Paladins could be, I beseech my God to smite thee, and then bam, hit him with a smite. Yeah. And that's the verbal for that. If it has verbal, I'm not sure. Right. Well, like I said, it says it's just it's it's the combination of sounds. There's nothing that says the words have to be said. So I don't have to, you know, if the the magical words are bing bala bam, or, or that's one thing. But it's it's more like it's the sounds. It's the the inflection on the bing, uh, the bam and the bam, and how you all pronounce it. So I, I very well agree with you. I think that you know it's not. not the word itself i can sit there and say uh hey you big dummy and as long as i as long as i inflect in the right spots and hit the right syllables i think it's going to cast like (laughs) autotune yeah (laughs) the autotune bard oh that'd be so annoying i think i have my next character i'm afraid you have your next character (laughs) (laughs) and we're going to be playing in a steampunk world you could be a warforged with an autotune voice Things are getting out of hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta go. I, I wish I had like an auto tune thing on a board right now. That would be so fun. But I, like, it's it, with, with the way that verbal's written. Like I said, it's it specifically states that I, yes, you can cast using the sounds and inflections. So it's all about how you sing song your voice or however you raise your however you use your voice in the terms of whatever it is that you're trying to get accomplished. You know, I think fireball requires a... No, is, does fireball require a verbal component, or is it just... Um, um, bat guano. You should know. Um, you blow us it, up with it. It is, the, it is his favorite spell. That's not my favorite. Yes, it requires a verbal, semantic, and material component. Which we all know how I feel about components. Yeah. Just a waste. But, you know, so... How how would you like? How are you going to cast fireball without raising your voice? Because God knows everybody in the world needs to know that a fireball is coming. 
Like, you're not a true D&D player until you fireballed your friends. <laughs> or tsunami them. Wall of light. Wall of fire. Colder spray. Lightning bolt. <laughs> Pushed them off a cliff. Look, all of those were accidental. I didn't know you guys were going to run into the middle of it. Hey, look. I'm just... <laughs> Grabbing the person we're supposed to be saving with a thorn whip or a lightning whip and dragging them down to the ground. That wasn't a lightning whip or thorn whip. It was a water whip. While we had... How did I know he couldn't and breathe I, underwater? And I sa- no, I saved her life once we brought her back. <laughs> when we had an evocation wizard oh. in the party that could sculpt around her. Yeah, but I'm not wasting good sculpting on a on a person like that. So, I I just I, like I, I'm I'm in agreement with you, and it's not because you're my friend, but I think that it, it matters how you say it, and the people that when it really comes to saying it, it's you know bards, I, clerics. I can see that too. I think anybody with a performance skill should have like a ver- like the verbal. T- Me as a DM moving forward, if you have the performance skill. I'm going to, like, make it easier for you to concentrate on spells that only require verbal components because as long as you, cause you can sing, as long as your performance is singing. Which, yet again, why I hate this system because I can't, if everybody's like, well, I can perform. Well, what can you perform? And then you get America's Got Talent with the worst people. Yeah. Um, I, can, I can spend plates in the middle of battle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they're distracted. Quick, run while they're distracted. Those are some pretty nice plates. If he drops those... They're gonna be. That's millions of dollars. What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, that was my ultimate argument on the uh, Facebook group. Is that it comes down to DM. I mean, and that's basically what people like Jeremy Crawford say too. Is the DM's discretion. If he wants you to have a set of separate words, then that's that. You've got to find some other creative way. Yeah, but how many DMs are actually out there with like? a list of things that you have to have for, like, those separate words and stuff. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I think we've just been lucky that most of us have played together long enough that we're pretty set with, you know, we know we know what, uh, we know what they're going to do. So we know what the DMs are going to play. Personally, if when I'm DMing, I like to hear People some... scream. Some, well, aside from that, <laughs> I don't usually kill tears. people. I, I like to, to get them right to the edge of death, just so they feel it. And then they but, roll off the cliff? But uh, then, they, then they stay alive. Um, but no, I like to hear a good insult come up with. Um, Bog's wife is, uh, is excellent at playing a, a bard and doing vicious mockery. She's got some of the, the best insults I've ever heard. Um, I think that's just, what she spends when when Bulk's talking. She's just writing down the insults that she'd say to him. That's entirely here, possible. You buffoon. <laughs> what do you got against this? Yeah, so I'm not denying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you guys know about the D and D Dark Alliance game that's coming out? I have it pre-downloaded and installed on my on my Xbox. Okay, so we're gonna. I've got the trailer loaded up, and it's gonna. It's very low. Like I said, the way I've got it set up right now is not the best way I wanted to do it, but I'm going to work on it. I've got parts coming in to make this better. So we're going to actually play the trailer. I'm going to pause it here and there and talk about it. I have... I already. I can already tell you the main thing, though, I don't like about this game is my characters are pre-generated. I don't like playing a D&D game where I can't create my character. Yeah, but it's... It's based on uh, R.I. Salvatore's characters. Yeah. yeah, and I get that, and that's cool... But I'm playing a D and D game. Best part about the D and D game is the fact that I. Uh, uh, it's the truth characters. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna hear it. Uh, he'll actually mention a couple. He'll mention each character in the video. So let's go ahead and play that. I've only briefly heard about this. I haven't seen it. No, why is it not? Oh no, I don't know what it's doing. Oh yeah, and those of you with Xbox, it is a day one uh, Game Pass release. So, go ahead and install that. Oh, man. This is the dangers of a live broadcast. I had it working beforehand. Oh, I think it's playing. Oh, it's playing on the... uh, It's playing there, but I don't have it set to play here. All right, so we're not going to end up doing that because I... I thought I had it all worked out. Let's try it one more time. No, all right. Alrighty. Well, 
that's a gift for another day. I'm gonna work that. I'm gonna work those little issues out. So it's it, for those of you who don't uh, haven't seen it, go out D and D Dark Alliance. The gameplay tra- uh, explainer trailer tells you all of the things. It's got okay. It's got team play. I like that. They actually had to go back in and uh, kind of correct that because it was actually originally solo play, but they went in and uh, they fixed it to where it was like local play that you can actually get everybody in on the Xbox. And you can play it. Well, it's it's um, they actually just announced that it's crossplay as well, so Xbox and PC players can play together. Cool. Uh, Four player co op. Yeah, that comes out next week. I may have to throw in on that. So, um, but here's the thing that kind of really, like I said, when I'm playing a D and D game, I want um, Baldur's Gate. Yeah, I want to be able to create my. Oh, I guess I could do it like that, but that's going to be annoying. Um, Wow, that thing is still loud. Um, it's got great character design. I love the world designs. Um, apparently, the uh, the more people you have in your party, the better the play is going to be. You're going to have combos. Um, and I do recognize these characters from the R.A. Salvatore series. But the issues I have, like I said, is I want to be I want to be I want to be me. I want to put my character into a game. Um, other than that, I really don't have any issues with it at all. I think the the combo systems look like they're going to be fun to figure out. Um, the characters are their models are really well done. The colors are great. Like it's it's it just going to be an exciting game. Yeah, I was um, watching one of the uh, uh, documentaries about it or the featurettes about it, and they were talking about a lot of it is heavily influenced by uh, '80s heavy metal, like. The feel of it, the uh, character design, and that kind of thing. Yeah. The world layout. And I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Looks like an Iron Maiden cover at some points. Oh, yeah. No, there there are uh, there are some really good spots to it. I, I just like looking at some of the abilities. Like, they're really well, uh, they're really well choreographed. Like, you can actually, like, when you're firing arrows, it looks like you're going to actually be able to feel, like, the impact of them. Yeah. You got some parries. You got light. The the one thing I'm worried about though is it's going to be, uh, kind of like, and and I, I guess I wouldn't mind this, but if you ever played Marvel Ultimate Alliance, it had like the light heavy attack system, which is mm-hmm. kind of bland combat for the most part, because it's you have like six different combos. You'll find the one that you just prefer, and you'll end up using that for the rest of the game. So I, I'm hoping that it's not going to turn into that, where now I'm only playing a part of this game. And I'm just doing the same ability because I know it's going to wreck the boss. Yeah, well, I actually have uh, pulled up from Xbox.com a little excerpt here. Dark Alliance lets you choose from four iconic heroes. The champions of the hall, Dritch, Caddybury, Brunor, and Wolfgar. With over 50 different moves, special abilities, and team attacks. The combat is pick up and play, but difficult to master. With emergent strategies and tactics... Depending on the situation, skills, and monsters. Yeah. So who are you going to play as first? Uh, probably Wolfgar. Wolfgar? I was thinking Drizzt. I like Drizzt. I, like, I liked his books, except for his first book. When you first introduced him, it just took forever to get to the point. But, I um, like Caddybury. Caddybury? Uh, yeah, Caddybury's pretty cool. All right, cool. So I know that we're, I know where we're going to be on June twenty second. <laughs> so it, I, I like the gear system that it's got too, like it, the treasure system, and that you can go back in, and that it's actually got different qualities of trans. I want to hold on. I'm watching the video too while I'm talking about this on the go, just something. But I like the gear system. It really, and looking at it, I can see that it's like acid res- resistance. I like that in a game that you can't just wear the best armor and uh, for one ar- one set of armor is good for everybody like you actually have to have good armor for everything so it's got acid resistance but i think the biggest one that i i liked about it and it'll pop up here in a second is no microtransactions oh good yeah no it's actually said that once you buy this like the first dlc is also yours so there's no reason to like buy like this i mean go out if there's a special edition buy a special edition but uh, you know oh and the the good thing about this is it um, it's available on Xbox Live, plays on one and Series X and S. But it's also only forty bucks if you don't have Game Pass, so oh. you're not paying the new seventy dollar price tag. So if I have Game Pass, it's forty dollars. No, if you have Game Pass, it's free. Fuck yeah, I gotta go get that. I gotta go log into my Xbox. Um, so I, was, I, I know what y'all are doing, but that's I mean, and that's that's brilliant. I like that. 
like a lot of my biggest thing about video games nowadays, and I know this gets a little off topic from D and D, is the fact that if I, I buy all my games digitally, like I don't I don't think I own a physical copy of too many games anymore. I know I have um, the South Park uh, Fractured But Whole, and the reason I have that one is because it was a collector's edition, and I'm a big South Park fan. But everything else I own, I just buy digitally. It just saves up space. Yeah, I've moved to that model mainly out of necessity once my. Uh Day one, Xbox One decided its disk drive didn't want to work anymore. Oh, man. I, uh... uh. But now I play on PC as well, and this is... We're not um, Xbox-affiliated. Well, two-thirds of us aren't. <laughs> but um, Game Pass Ultimate is, is beautiful. Being able to play whatever you want for 10 bucks a month. Yeah. It's amazing. And the fact is, something that a lot of people don't know about that, too, is that if... You, when the games change, because they change, they update their games all the time. That they actually, uh, you get to keep whatever you have downloaded. Yep. It's yours. So I, um, I, I, I'm excited for this game. Like I said, my biggest pet peeve about it is the fact that I don't get to see, I don't get to create my own character. Uh, but I think there's another, dar- there is another D and D. Did the Bal- the Baldur's Gate coming game count out yet? It's uh, still in basically early access. Um, I've been playing it for a while now. Um, no exact release date. I think it might be 2022 or 2023. But then there's another one that's coming that I think is an open world RPG. Um, not many details about that one, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of 2023, uh, Dungeons and Dragons actually has a movie coming out in 2023. Yep. Uh, do we I like the cast? It's got a pretty decent cast to it. You got Michelle Rodriguez and Chris Pine. Um, I like Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, she's a pretty decent actor. Chris Pine, I, I don't remember seeing him too much. Um, but I tell you who they really need for this movie, uh, outside of me and you, because we'd be the best characters. I, I honestly think that uh, why isn't uh, oh The Witcher Henry Cavill in it? Because he's doing so many different yeah. Things. I don't care. Henry Cavill needs to be in every D and D movie. He's doing the D and D thing too. What was the the new D and D? They just announced it this week that he he had signed up for something D and D. Well, that's why we have the power of the internet. Um, but also, in a surprising turn, that I'm interested to see, it could be a total train wreck. But Hugh Grant, uh, known for romantic comedies, is going to be the bad guy. So sounds like a train wreck. He doesn't. There's nothing out that I can see using the old Google. Um, I mean, if he's playing a paladin, like a dark paladin, that could work. Yeah, I'm just saying, Hugh Grant's uh, Hugh Grant will be a good villain. Like he's got charisma. That's all I need in it. Like I'm not. Uh, like I want Terry Crews as a paladin, though. Yes. <laughs> no, I want him as a barbarian. Somebody who's got to always like rip his shirt off. That just because I like Terry Crews and his muscles, I think he's funny. Terry Crews is hilarious. I, I know. The, but the, I think with Chris Pine, it it's gives the possibility for for a, the right amount of humor as well. His You've got to have the humor in there. His comedic timing is on point. Yeah, but I, like, I liked him in Wonder Woman, but I just outside of that, I really haven't seen a whole lot. Like He's been consistently the bright spot of uh, the Star Wars uh, remakes. Yeah, that's true. I I, I think that Star Trek. Was, sorry, Star Trek. Yeah, I was thinking. What was it? What when he was he in Star Trek Wars? Is just one. Want to murder me now? Hey, they'll put anybody in Star Wars nowadays. I think I got my call back. You know, the other day. Look, we just need somebody to stand here and actually be in this movie. I'm sorry. Are you a red shirt? Oh, uh, probably. <laughs> but um. I don't know, Chris Pine. I think he'll be. I think he'll be good. But like I said, I'd like to see Terry. I'm with. I'm with Niggle Ward on that one. That I'd like to see Terry Crews in on it. I think he'd be way better. Just in that series, he's just a comedic relief. Hell, he could even be the Bard. He just comes out there and he just. I'm gonna inspire y'all. Rips his shirt off and he just starts flexing his pecs. Bardbarian. Yeah. There you go. He's a dual class half orc. Oh yeah. I don't know. So other than uh, okay, you can in, you can insert any other actor. They don't have to play D and D, but they're going to be a D and D character. Who are they, and why are they going to be in the movie? Hmm. And what class are they going to be? Hmm. 
like um, Felicia Day yeah. as an elfin ranger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, she basically already did that for the um, direct-to-streaming uh, Dragon Age movie. Yeah, no, that wasn't bad. Um, I tell you who I want to see in it, and I want to see him as like a fi- uh, like an old fighter type guy. Is I want the guy that plays Jim Hopper uh, by David Harbor. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see him as like a like a, a very like disgruntled ranger or something like that. Like he's just like, oh, I gotta take these kids everywhere. Kind of like a like an Aragon, but like just pissed off and angry at the world. I could I could kind of see that. But he'd have to have his like hopper mustache too, like not the hopper with the beard, but like his just mustache, and he's just running around, like trying to like gather all the players together to get the mission done, so he can go back to being old and grumpy. Yeah. Um. You need somebody old to play a wizard. Uh, yeah, wizards. You know, you want him to look like Gandalf. Oh, Ian, Ian McKellen, hands down. Like, I want him to play a, a, a wizard that thinks he's like Gandalf, but he's not. I would just have Ian McKellen in there as just the wizard. Like, no, nothing else outside of that. He just, uh, he's just the wizard. And everybody's like, you look uh, strangely familiar. You know, uh, like somebody I might know. And it's just <laughs> he's just sitting there. Batter Billy Gibbons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh... I wouldn't mind seeing, like, Chris Pratt in there as, like, a bard. Just, like, the the unluckiest bard in the world that he just walks around and, like, all the bad stuff happens, and the, but he's still upbeat because he plays, like, the greatest, like, upbeat character. Well, either him or you could have uh, Benedict Cumberbatch as, yeah. a, as a bard. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I want to go back to that wizard idea and have, like, a young sorcerer and then the old wizard and one's Ian McKellen and one of them's Do- <laughs> Doctor Strange look-alike. How about Bill Skarsgård uh, as a warlock? Yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think of who else. Uh, you know, and too bad he's, too bad he's dead. Um, the guy who played Severus Snape. Um, oh, Alan Rickman. Oh, yeah. Alan Rickman would be a great warlock. Yeah. Oh man, he like if I had a D and D movie with him, in his time, he'd have to be like the warlock, and even like he's like the warlock everybody wants to hate, but it's Alan Rickman, so everybody loves him, <laughs> except for Harry. Oh yeah, well Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> or we could have Elijah Wood in there as a. Uh, I want Elijah Wood to be in there as a halfling, <laughs> a halfling rogue who just takes rings. <laughs> That's mine. Oh. I like it. There's there's plenty. The cast like they they're filming it now, so there wasn't really much about the plot. Yeah, that they uh, they were filming at a castle in Iceland. Yeah. So yeah, the filming began early in April, um, just like a couple weeks ago, uh, or a couple months ago. The casting uh, on June 27th was in talks. Uh, Letterman's iteration, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Ray J. Page, Justice Smith. Justice Smith's in there? Justice Smith? Yeah. Huh. wonder who he's going to play. Um, hopefully something more like Detective Pikachu and less like uh, Jurassic World. Oh, man. I did love Jurassic I, I do love Detective Pikachu. It's a good movie. I, I I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good names but in the in there but I'm not sure um, I'm not sure I wish they would have like more about the like the plot lines of the story out yeah but I mean they're still in the middle of production so yeah I mean it, I guess it was announced like I, I I'm surpri- I'm surprised they have that small of a cast though, and that kind of worries me that it's not going to be that great of a movie because of having a small and not to say that a small cast is bad there's actually a lot of like Amazon movies that are like crappy reproductions of small casts that do pretty well well it could also be focusing on a very small group and have a lot of no names as like uh, background characters I guess but you know that's the greatest thing about D&D is like it's an expansive world and I I hope that they're not going to try and do um do like a monster verse or MCU with it, stuff like that. That they're just gonna like. Well, I mean, they do have uh, MCU producers attached, so it's possible. Yeah, well, and then that worries me too because there's like that kind of get woke thing going on through Hollywood, and I don't, I, I just don't want a D and D movie because I'm gonna tell you when it comes to D and D, there's very much racism. Not 
uh, not so much as the players, but the in the world of D and D, there's hatreds between a lot of groups of different characters, sure. whether you're orcs, yeah. elves, humans, and I don't want somebody coming out there to go, well, racism's bad, and then they it's just a giant like punching into the face because of the movie, trying to use the movie as that out algorithm. We get it. Orcs are gonna hate are gonna be hated by most races. Dwarves are gonna. Uh, uh, and all this other things that are going down. I, I just want it to be, you know, an expansive world. I don't really want... Um, I don't need a D&D universe movie going uh, whole thing. Like, I, I'll stay for the end credits to make sure that there's nothing going on. But I think... Oh, I'm not, I don't want it to be one and done either. But I don't need it to be, like, the expanded universe. See, I'd like to see a um, horror comedy. <laughs> Isn't that what the uh, new Doctor Strange movie is going to be? Basically, but I want to see a horror comedy. Or uh, the Tomb of Horrors. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, and that's the thing is, like, a, they've got a lot of good uh, material for these guys to go off of, just with the, even in modern D&D alone. Granted, they could probably reach back into Niggle Ward's book and be like, oh, well, we definitely can't do those nowadays. This is just so much no. I got a whole footlocker of that book. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bury that. Take it to the, uh, to the deepest part of the ocean, throw it in there with a rock, and then Nigel Ward as well. I just no. He's already died once. He'll get over it. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I it's it's crazy um, to think. Like I, I was I was talking about this with a couple people the uh, the other day who were playing D anD D. We were talking about what what do you do after your character dies? Like, is it how do you guys decide whether you want to continue a character story? Or just kind of let it go where it was? Well, for you, <laughs> it continues because your character, being a pacifist that killed somebody, just out and out killed him. Gosh. Um, that, that changed him so much that, what, three, he, three worlds later, four worlds later, he showed up as a dreadlord? You know, if we would quit <laughs> messing with time, we wouldn't have this issue. <laughs> Which, by the way, no, um, he's been usurped, and uh, Forkton oh. is now the Dreadlord. Yeah, you see what you guys do when I'm not around? Uh, granted, I was in like the middle of college, and I, that, that was the biggest reason I wasn't able to be in a whole lot of that campaign, is all my college work was starting to add up to me. Um, but the, the character that they're talking about in a previous campaign, I was like, I want to make a paladin that refuses to fight. Like, he is the he had the uh, order of peace. Like, everything about him was like, look, man, I'm, I'm not here to fight. I just, I, I want to do good in the world. And he had climbed all the way to the tower using Sanctuary. No one was able to hit him. They couldn't beat his wisdom save. And so he just walked all the way up, aggroed everybody. It was like a Leroy Jenkins of the time. Everybody's all following him up. My entire team follows up behind the, the guys that are chasing after me. Except for one person. And then I start walking back down, and then I'm like, hey, I'm going to do non-lethal damage, and I'm hitting people. And the DM decided that, hey, we're going to mess with this, and we're going to... That, it, it was logical. It was logical. He, It, it was not, we're going to mess with this. Really? If you're coming down steps, and you shield bash somebody, they're going to go flying down the steps. I, all I'm saying is, is where was his buddies when they should have caught him? They let him down. Not me. I'm the good guy. You killed him. I didn't kill him. <laughs> so now, obviously, that messed it, that messed it, messed him up so bad that he uh, he ended up becoming a dread lord and having to wipe the humanity off the face of the earth. <laughs> but he didn't die. Well, no, actually, he did die. I don't know how he was in y'all's world because he died. He walked off because it was like I took a chance to. Uh, well. From our perspective, he died. But yeah. in actuality, he made his way to the Shadowfell and became a Dreadlord. I guess peace was never really the option. Nope. I just like how we summoned him <laughs> in the throne room. <laughs> oh, do tell, do tell. So, your keep in the uh, Shadowfell was one story. No stairs. Anywhere. <laughs> so he raised your throne up by about like five feet. And then added stairs. And then, who the fuck put these here? <laughs> <laughs> and my character's sitting there in the throne. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Then I blinded him so he couldn't see. And then uh, Bolg's wife went ahead and did 
phantasm, uh, phantasmal force. Phantasmal force. So all he saw was stairs, continual <laughs> stairs. And uh, you know, he the was, Escher painting. Yeah. Why do you guys have to mess with with really brilliant characters? They, he was a good guy, and near the God, players in the D and D world are really the villains. <laughs> well, that's you know that's fairly true. Uh, now, one thing that I don't like about the current D&D standards right. is pretty much when you get to 20, you're done. Yeah. So it used t- to be, I mean, I've got character sheets still from back in the 70s where people like at 40th level. And and you were still, it's just that the DM, well, once again, the DM really had to think a lot harder. So, and that's something that, things interesting. That's what we've talked about before: is life after twenty. What is there really after you? Uh, what, what is there to do now? Now that you hit twenty, there's no. You can extend the rules, but there's no new abilities to be gotten. And we've spent so much time. Like they've just released another DM's book, not too recently. I don't remember what the name of it is, but I see it, it pops up in my feed all the time because I've bought in so many other books. But I. Um, I, like I think they need to start investing into that and make a tw- that they need to make uh, life after t- life after twenty. We need like another twenty levels of new abilities, things that th- that go on because uh, with a party of our size, it's really not hard for us to die. Like there's really not a whole fear of death. Like it it happens from time to time, but we have so many people that bring so many different attributes to the party that we're not there. Now, if we could go past uh, 20 with monsters and uh, and abilities, I think we would actually stand to see some really amazing things. Like, just... Because, t- like, by, by the time you hit 20, you're in that god tier, but there's a lot more, I feel like, they can be done with certain characters. Yeah, I mean, well, part of the problem with that is that a lot of the modules they've already made and the Adventures League... None of it goes beyond level 15. They don't want you to make 20 anymore. It's the homebrew campaigns that do that regularly. Right. And in the way our level system works is it usually roughly works out to a level a game. Um, we're very persuasive that it works out that way. But I don't, uh, I, I, I don't see why we couldn't add to those abilities. You know, we have new classes and stuff like that that are new... Uh, subclasses that we uh, we increase they get new powers abilities get reworked but what we're not seeing is just you know hey here's here's 20 to 30 like it, it seems like they could go on and almost make a whole new expansion to the D's uh 5e version by just adding like 10 levels of 10 new abilities that you can get i know one thing i used to do when i was dming back in the in the day was the monsters would get a lot smarter. Yeah. I mean, even the ones that were basically not smart. I had one guy that was a... He was a level 20-something and decided he wanted to go out on his own to go find something. He ended up facing a basilisk, and he was out, you know, hiding his, his self behind his shield and all that so he didn't look it in the eye. And the basilisk reached out and, and just bit his arm off, shield and all. Jesus. Um... Which was, it was hilarious. He was having a fit. He managed to kill the basilisk, get his arm back, and have it reattached. But it was, the whole process was just fun. Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing about, about uh, being a DM. There's, there are guys, you know, Ruben does it all the time. Saying, I don't know, he's going to do this or he's going to do that. Um, he's going to throw this at us. But uh, the whole idea is to make you have a little fear at the back of your at the back of your head about that you're going to lose your character and bring them to that precipice and then pull them back yeah i just mean to, just to kill you you're not trying to kill people and you're not but you want to make them feel like you're trying to kill them well i mean <laughs> that's that's the thing though but we've got we've got a huge party that plays like we've got what six to seven players on average yeah so it was one guy I used to kill off on a regular basis, but that was different. No one asked you, <laughs> but um, it, it's uh, it's one of those things that we we've got like six to seven players, and so you like you have to have like a huge huge amount of enemies or a very powerful enemy with very 
strong abilities and they have to you know connect because you know you'll have a rogue or a, bar or a monk that can just dodge and that goes half that uh, goes all the damage so now you have all these uh all these things that you have to do to add up and you're it's going to be hard to balance like how do you balance that to where your players are going to have that fear of death but aren't going to be overwhelmed versus overwhelming the npcs well that's part of the fun I mean, as a creator of monsters and scenarios and stuff like that, that's something I enjoy. Um, Neville Ward actually got the uh, receiving end of one of my uh, monsters' more creative abilities. We were running a Dark Souls campaign, and I had a monster that uh, was covered in spine that was based on the um, regenerators from Resident Evil 4. And they had a core where if you hit it, it was only 100 HP. You were going to kill it easily. But they had over 1,000 HP otherwise. But the spine shot out. And um, one managed to hit him. And he thought, well, I'm just going to disappear into the uh, shadow. No, the... Uh, there were, I call him the Juggernaut Demon. The Juggernaut Demon reeled itself in over to where he was. Then basically bear hugged him and stabbed him some more. That was and not a good day. Yeah. It was for me. <laughs> that was that was a real surprise. Yeah. Was, I, I had the I had the drop on him. I hit him real good, and then um, this automatically all of a sudden I get skewered by these spines on the thing. It was uh, <laughs> a big surprise. Yeah, I like that though. Was you don't see that in a lot of like the the regular book that the ideas and abilities that uh, creatures can come up with. And I actually like a homebrew creature better because we have and somebody in this room who's guilty of remembering everything from the existence of time about every creature ever. So he's like, aha, I know what I'm fighting. And it's like, well, thanks there. You know, father time, we don't really need that. You know, as I've gotten older, I don't remember all of them. He says, <laughs> as he's like reciting the whole monster manual by heart, like, I, I like the homebrew creatures. I, I tell you what I really like, though, that I wish more creatures had, and a, a, maybe not so much as the same type, is I like lair abilities. Like, oh, yeah. Because it gives, you know, that home field advantage, and it really makes, like, when you're coming in on, let's say, a horde of goblins on your first level, that goblin who's lived in these caves forever, I'm sure, has, like, a couple tricks up his sleeve, you know, or... You know, by the time you get to like level twenty and you've got a mind flare, you know he's got obviously something in his sleeve. So, why I, I'm surprised we don't see more layer actions for lower creatures. You can give them to him, yeah. You can go in and design your own, but it'd be nice to see them add something like that into the book. But then again, you can actually beat that layer possibility just by doing something completely unexpected. And that's fine, but at least I want to know that it's out there. Like, yeah. I, I want them to know that we have a chance of things. Uh, I want them to know that we have that, you know, that, that thread of ability right there, so. What were you, uh, you jumped up on top of that beholder. You had it in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> he got on top of the beholder, and I teleported or misty-stepped underneath the beholder, and then blinded him from underneath. He couldn't see me, but I was blinding him. <laughs> so I was... blinding the different eyes, and he was up on top of it, smacking it from the top. It, it, uh, it took a while still, but um, it was great. And, the, and then the lair abilities did help against the other people in the party. But, um, yeah, we, we took that out. Uh, yeah. I, t I tell you one, uh, one thing I like when it comes to, like, beholders is if you've seen the episode of uh, Goblin Slayer, where he throws the fine the fine sawdust in the room and it explodes. Mm. I was like, that can't happen. And I went and Googled it and I found out it could. It's, oh, yeah. So yeah. I've been waiting to get trapped into a room with a beholder so I could do the same thing. I carry around enough pocket sawdust to light a room on fire. You carry lots of things in your pockets. You'd be surprised. And it's always worked out. There's not been nothing that I've never had that I haven't not needed. Yes. But that was a lot of negatives. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I know. I was, <laughs> I was trying to work my way through it. <laughs> Just trying to figure out one, two, or three. Wait a minute. But it, it, it's, a, it's a brilliant... Like, I, I think lair actions with even small creatures, you know, definitely give that sense of dread. 
But like I said, we have a, a huge party size. You're just we're good friends. You know, we went to Renfest together. We've we've done a lot. But granted, this year's Renfest was not as good as the first year's Renfest. Um, oh, they moved locations. I know. And then we, and then there wasn't like it was just miserably hot to try and drink. Like I, every time I started drinking, I was just like, yeah, no, it's too damn hot, which I've never once said in my life until then. Uh, but you know, our party size is. And this is one of my common criticisms of our party is the fact that we, and it's, it's just that we have such a huge party and it's nothing against any of us out there. It's just, it's hard to cater to all of us all the time. You know, our DM is trying his best to make the story and like fit us into the story. But, you know, eventually it's just, somebody's got to get left out because we can't always go. Not everybody's story follows the same path. Yeah. I mean, even in combat, um, Loke has to basically make every encounter deadly, because otherwise we're just going to breeze through it. Yeah, yeah. Even as it is, we breeze through it. Well, I mean, and here's something I thought about, too, doing as well, is, like, if you make a ca- an encounter that's not so deadly, but it feels deadly, and you burn all your good stuff, and that way, by the time you get to the last encounter, you kind of are in a deadly situation? Well, that's true. That happens in his thing quite often. Expected it going against your... Uh, Dreadlord, but it didn't work out that way. We, um, we took the easy route. <laughs> yeah. Quite often, the uh, with our party, because it's so big, we split up, and each are going against their own foe, or, or you know, maybe two-on-one, but it, it just kind of split up instead of attacking everything, it, attacking one thing, taking care of it, attacking the next one, and doing that kind of thing. And he started giving them more group tactics. Not pack tactics as, uh, you know, the specific uh, thing, but they actually act as a party. And them acting as a party against us not working as a party uh, actually made it quite uh, difficult. Uh, that was that was a big thing this last time through. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that that'll... Um, well, I mean, there should be a... Like you guys, we've been saying this entire show is that there's there needs to be that fear that we we, we could die to, we could die today. Like the D and D world is not even in a steampunk world like we're getting ready to go into. It's not that uh, it's not family friendly. You're not just taking the family out for a little walk down the enchanted forest. You could die by a unicorn. Yep. So you know what are, what are we? If we don't have that sense of dread, you know, adventuring, everybody's an adventure. You just get bored and you're like, here's your sword, here's your shield. All right, you're a qualified adventurer. Now go out and get a job. What's that movie? Onward? I do Onward, love, yeah. Onward, Onward, the unicorns in that. Yeah. <laughs> There's unicorns going in the trash. If you actually look up in my collection, I actually have a Onward pop. Um, it should be in that second. Yeah, there, yeah, there is. Barley. I love Barley. Yeah. He's one of my favorite character in there because he, he re, like a little bit of him reminds me of everybody in our group. Like there's something that he does that I go, oh, I've seen that before. But he, he's a great character. That's that's why that I I really love that Deerslayer um, series. Yeah, because it's uh, it, it could have been written by us. The yeah. whole thing. I mean, it's just every single episode seems like it came out of our group. I, I, I'm, I, my only fear about that is the fact that we may uh, that we may be kind of generic, and that's what scares me. <laughs> is that you know, it, it makes me worry that what we do uh, is very generic to the rest of the world. They, so it's Deerstalker Pictures is oh yeah sorry it's a lot. I hate that it auto plays like that. So it's Deerstalker Pictures on YouTube. If you haven't gotten a chance to go watch their stuff, there are plenty of D and D groups out there that just that's just post while we play. And when we started this podcast, that was something that we all agreed was like, no, we're not going to play the game on podcast. We're here to talk about the game. Anybody can go watch Matt Mercer and stuff. But they've actually got like several seasons. They've got their bloopers. They do uh, and they do stuff outside of. Uh, they do stuff outside of D&D, but I think their D&D stuff is their best work because they've got, you know, video games, they've got drag, uh, anime and stuff. 
But you can go check them out. They've got a whole a whole great series. We just watched the uh, Bardic Inspiration video, which is a, a little bit of a musical from them. It's really good. It's a lot of bit of a musical, but it's yeah. great. Did you guys see the one that uh, D&D with puppets? Like, there's a D&D with puppets. It's, uh, from, it's called the Jovenshire. It was a series that somebody put on. And granted, uh, it, it faced a little bit of a backlash. Yeah, there it goes again. Um, so it it got a little bit of a backlash because I guess one of the characters, uh, one of the puppets, is designed with uh, big knockers because the chick that plays it has big tits, um, and so they went under that. But it, it's really weird, and it's supposed to be orientated towards kids. And there's several things in there that you just like as an adult you catch. It's a really weird one. It's called the Jovenshire. I it's five episodes. They're about thirty minutes uh, each. It's worth the watch. It's not the greatest. Like I, I, I feel like there's, they could have probably found better actors for it because they. It feels like it's sometimes they're overacting, which granted I'm not an actor, so maybe maybe it's just because I can't act. Is there anything else on YouTube you guys know that's good for D and D players, other than like the animated spell book? Well, uh, we talked about it on an uh, earlier episode. Um, Joe Cat and his uh, crab guide. Oh, dude, I love Joe Cat. He actually even yeah. does uh, Final Fantasy stuff, too, for Final Fantasy fourteen. His stuff's funny. Oh. He uh, did this... Like, like, the way he explains things is the best, because it, it's like the bare basics of what you need to know and some with that little bit of humor that's thrown in. Oh. But... I, there's a lot of like a lot of good YouTube things out there, and you know we've actually talked about behind the scenes about maybe one day posting to YouTube and stuff like that. And I'm actually working on that setup, but I I just think that it's a very niche audience. Like you really have to have a good gimmick. I, I I'm bald, so I don't think anybody really wants to see me outside of what they normally see. The three of us in this room are bald. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the baldest because I still have like growth of hair, so it makes mine look even worse. I went through chemo, dude. <laughs> yeah. I have very little hair. So I got a question for you when it comes to chemo, and this is definitely off topic of D and D. Does uh, does your downstairs region lose its hair too? Oh yeah. Chemo might be the best hair loss thing for everybody. <laughs> Women are paying thousands a year, thousands of dollars a year to get waxed or laser hair removed. It wouldn't be worth it. Yeah, I don't think so. Both of you guys have gone through it, right? Well, I had I, I went through more radiation because it was just, uh, you know, down in the prostate. But, uh, well, I mean, my wife just finished chemo as well for colon cancer. So it's just been, our our family's been screwed. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh bold sister. I, you know, she's, I don't know. She got genetically lucky, which is kind of sad because... She's the shortest one of all of y'all. Like it just seems like genetics, like kind of bumped her out, and then she kind of got lucky with that. So I don't know. Shorter cancer, you got to pick your poison. But I don't know. Well, we are wrapping up though here soon. We've got less than a minute left. Anything else you guys got to say for the day? Um. No. It's good to have. It's good to be back. I'm glad we're going to do. I'm glad we get to do this again. This is. Uh, by far one of my favorite projects I've, I get to work on uh, every couple of weeks. You know, obviously we're a bi-monthly show. Speaking of being a bi-monthly show, make sure you like, like, subscribe, share us with all your friends if you're actually listening. Uh, go to our Facebook page. We do have the uh, Facebook page. You can email us too. I forgot to throw out the email there. It's bulgandpc at gmail.com. I know. Real original. But uh, you guys definitely uh email us out tell us your stories if there's something you want to talk to us about uh, we'll read it we've got nothing better to do and there's nothing more that we want to do than you know interact with you guys yeah shoot us topics shoot us comments shoot us your characters just don't shoot us yeah well actually you can shoot me i do me a favor of having to sit in a room and hear about how bad i am you know that's something that we didn't get into is how you're always on my characters' backs, no matter what who they are, what they're doing. I could be out there just selling apples. Well, you should be out there selling oranges. No, I don't have anything against oranges and apples. 
It's <laughs> just the the weird things that you do just to annoy us. Is it that I'm not really doing anything to annoy you? I really think that you just you're just hating on the characters because they're great characters. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, hey, name one character that wasn't a great character. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You can't. Oh, you always go off on your own. That's the big thing. Well, it's because do I, your own little thing. Well, I, I've gone for all time. That's how the dick face pirates got started. Those are the greatest pirates ever. <laughs> all righty. With that music being said, that's the end of the show. Hey, I want to say thanks to everybody for listening. Make sure you find us on Facebook, stuff like that, and all that good news. But with everything, it's time to say goodbye, Bog. Goodbye, Bog. Bye, everybody. Have a great one. Hey, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast fix and give us a thumbs up or a liking wherever that is. You can find us on Facebook at Chef Bolg and Pirate Captain's Recipes for Everything page. And make sure you email us with your stories, things you want to hear us talk about at bolgandpc at gmail.com. Till next time, happy adventures. <laughs>